Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Have a great day. All right. Good evening, everybody, and good morning, Texas. Um, I'm Murph, and I'm an alcoholic. So um, the primetime format for this meeting, which to, for me is the, the best format of any meeting that I've, of, that I've been to, um, is alcoholism, ego, and self, and the first three steps, and how um, my behavior is in the day that I'm, that I'm in. Um, so I have alcoholism, and I'll never be cured of alcoholism. Um, but I have a 24-hour period where I can either be treated or be untreated. Um, to be treated means that I have carried God with me in my consciousness throughout my day. And that's how I remain treated. It's by me aligning my will with God's will. And in doing that, I get to live a life that is beyond anything that I could uh ever imagine. So so the alcoholism is treated or not or untreated. Um, ego. Ego was created through a trauma that happened in my life. And each and every one of us has gone through some sort of trauma, something within our lives that caused us to want to shut this off so that I didn't have to think about what that was. I needed to just stuff that. Um, and um, so it creates an ego, and the ego's job is to protect me. And it ends up protecting me by um, keeping me away from my fellows, my God, and my true self. Um, it wants me to be alone. It wants me to be by myself because that's where I'm, I'm safe. I'm safe from you. You guys are my problem. You guys are the reason why. I ended up drinking. Um, and so I get to this place where this ego creates this false self. And that's the self I carry with me. And that's, that's alcoholism, which happens before I ever pick up a drink, before I ever take that drink. I have this alcoholic mind. I don't, I, I can't tell you why I was born with it, but I was. And, um, <clears throat> And so I have this mind, and my problem with this mind is is that once that ego takes control and that this false self becomes the voice in my head, um, I begin this negative self talk um, through the through my through my uh, trauma i thought I, I thought I was abandoned i I didn't think I was loved by anyone um, you know and that just that just keeps building and building as time goes by. We have these repetitive thoughts that just go over and over and over in our heads. You know, and a lot of us get to Alcoholics Anonymous and think that if we fix the behavior, we'll be okay. But that's not true because the behavior is not the problem. Um, I mean, how many people have, like at the beginning of the year, um, 
I'm going to exercise and I'm going to get in shape and I'm going to lose weight or I'm going to stop dating mean people. In fact, I'm going to stop dating, period. I'm not going out with anybody. Um, I'm tired of wasting my time on social media. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay off Facebook. I'm going to stay off um, all that stuff. I'm going to stop comparing my life with everybody else's on Facebook and and I'm and I'm going to do that or um, – I'm going to quit watching porn. Um, um, I'll never do that again, or I'm going to stop exaggerating or lying or gossiping, you know, and um, on and on. And whatever that vow was that you took, how did that work out? How, how, how did that work out? What, what, what's that looking like today? And, and most of us, for most of us, it didn't work out well, right? For most of us, um, we don't understand that the – that we're focusing on the behavior, right? And the behavior is not the problem. The, the, the problem is the thought that precedes the behavior. And that's where I get in trouble. So I can't fix me not being on Facebook anymore. Because sooner or later, I'm just going to, I can't take it anymore, and I'm going to go back on Facebook. Right. And the problem's never taken care of. It's almost like if you had a tree and it was like this ugly tree in your backyard and you wanted to you wanted to kill the tree. So you went out and you sawed one of the branches off the tree. And then you went in the house and you did your thing and did whatever, went to bed and woke up the next day. The tree was still there. Right. Now, that, that's that's a like a dumb analogy. Right. Who's going to cut off a branch thinking that the, the that the tree is going to die? Well, that's what we do, right? That's what we do as alcoholics. Um, Behavior modification doesn't work for us. And so um, what I'm doing by trying to change the behavior is I'm trying to cut off the branch, right? And it's the same thing, and it'll never work. With this mind that I have, this alcoholic mind, it doesn't work. And that's part of what we talk about in in. Alcoholics Anonymous, or in, well, primetime in general, is that my problem centers in, in my mind, right? And so I have to change the, like, the neural pathway, the, the thing that causes me to, to always bring these, these things up in my mind. Um, and the problem is that I start believing them. I start believing the lies, and if I believe the lies that I'm telling myself, they affect my life as if they're the truth. And and so if I'm telling myself I'm ugly, I'm going to walk around with that belief in my head. My head's going to be down. I'm not going to look up at people. Um, I'm not smart. You know, I won't do things that have anything to do with intelligence. I don't want to have an intelligent conversation with you, right, because I don't believe that I'm smart. I'll never get this job. Well, I probably won't because I'll go into that interview with that mind, with that mindset that I'm not going to get the job and I won't get the job. And so so in prime time, we discussed the first three steps. And the main focus for an alcoholic, for, for us, 
is for any alcoholic, there's only one message, and it was read in how it works, and it's and it's read it's in the twelfth step. The only message that we are to, we are supposed to carry in a meeting is a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. Now, for us in prime time, we found that the foundation, the first three steps, are vital in order for me to get through the rest of the steps. And four through nine scare the crap out of most people. No one wants to look at themselves. We don't want to see ourselves as the problem. I don't want to forgive. Look what you did to me. You know, this is one of the reasons why I, I drank. And um, I think that's why I held on to the resentment against my father for so long, is because if, if I didn't resent him, I wouldn't have an excuse for my behavior anymore. And so I held on to that. And anytime I anytime I misbehaved, I would look at my father. It's his fault. He did it. And so, um, so I, I, I got to get through these first three steps. And the main thing is, and the problem that arises in most of us alcoholics, especially the new ones, right, is the idea that in some way, shape, or form, whether it's just 2% of my mind that says so, I think that maybe I can live a normal life again. If this happens, if I get my kids back, if I get my wife or husband back, if if I get a better job, if I make more money, if I do whatever the case may be, I can be okay. And it doesn't work for the alcoholic because you can't cure alcoholism. So, um, so I can't have any reservations whatsoever, none, zero. I have to buy into Alcoholics Anonymous 100% in order for me to get this thing, to get that spiritual awakening as the result of the steps. And the spiritual awakening is basically that neural pathway being rebooted in a different direction. You see, I have to place, but I have to replace the negative with the truth. I have to replace the lie with the truth, the problem with the truth, because the truth heals. But in order for me to get to a place where I can look at that, that lie I've been telling myself and why I'm telling that lie, right, I have to surrender completely. And I have to open my mind up to the idea of God. I said it, God. G-O-D, God. God is mentioned 134 times in the first 164 pages. If you don't think this is a God program, I'm sorry. It is. There's so many programs out there that one can go to that doesn't have a spiritual aspect to that program. But this one does. So that surrender of my will, that, that knowledge for the first time, that my life run by my will has never worked, ever. Because it's always been about self. Right? And so the self-centered fears that I have, the uh the the and fears this is this is where I'm gonna fear is an illusion. 
Fear is not real. Remember that. Write that down. Fear is an illusion. It's not real. It's a lie that I tell myself trying to predict the outcome of a situation. And that's what fear is. So if I can see the fear, see the lie I'm telling myself, and when you start looking, when you start looking at your thinking and you start looking at these lies, you'll just throw your arms in the air and just go, I cannot believe that I actually believed that. I can't believe that I thought I, I couldn't make the grades in school when I had never even stepped in a college class before. But that's the lie I told myself, and I believed it. But once I saw the truth that that was a lie, I'd never been to college, I'd never been in a college class, and I was able to see the lie, get rid of the lie, give it to God. I come to find out that when I went to college, I had a 3.9 grade point average through college. And I thought I couldn't even make it. I thought I'd never make the grade. That's what my mind told me. I've got to replace that thought, that lie with the truth. I don't know if I'll make it in school unless I go. I don't know I'll make it in Alcoholics Anonymous unless I do it. That's where prime time comes in. That surrender leads to the idea of God. Just the idea. And then it becomes work on your part. I can't sit on the sofa, right, thinking God's going to fix my life for me. I have to start doing something, and that's what I learned. And what I learned was, and a lot of people have heard me say this before, that I thought that I had a problem with God when I got here. I would have sworn to you that God was a problem in my life. But he wasn't. God was never a problem. I never had God. I never had one. I had your God. I had what you told me God was about. I listened to your ideas on God and never discovered or never set out to look for a God of my understanding. And my sponsor said, this is where you start to seek and search something that you can learn to trust and have faith in so that you can get through four through nine, because you're going to need that God. I can't tell you how many times I did the steps without getting a spiritual awakening, because I went through the steps on Murph's will. I didn't fully surrender. I didn't have a God that I was, that I was creating a relationship with. Right? And so I went into the fourth step, and I was afraid, and I wasn't thorough, and I was dishonest. I was an alcoholic. I never gave up the hatred for my father or my brother, right? And I and I would finish the steps, and I'd start on my merry way, and, and all of a sudden I'd be like, what happened? I thought I was doing Alcoholics Anonymous, and I came to realize I was doing Murph's Anonymous. That's when my sponsor said, you know, right in the beginning when we started working with each other, he said, are you ready to stop working Murph's Anonymous? Are you ready? Everybody in this in this Zoom meeting, are you ready to stop picking and choosing the parts of this program out of the book that you feel like doing. Expecting the happy, joyous, and free life you get if you do the work. 
if you follow the instructions. So I started to seek and search for a God. The first thing I did was I created what I believed God would be if there was a God. And I wrote it down on a piece of paper. And then on the other piece of paper, I wrote down what God wasn't, what God never could be. And I ripped up that negative piece of paper and I started my relationship with God on what I believed God was, love. He wants me to do well. He's going to be there with me. And I would come to find that God was deep down inside of me all along. And my sponsor used to say that God loves you too much to enter your life without your permission. And I just had to ask God in. And my relationship started to grow. I started to read all kinds of different books every day. Right? I had, I had, I, I started to do all this stuff. And the thing is, don't try to meditate if you haven't had a spiritual awakening. There's too much crap going on in your head to ever be able to meditate on a regular basis. Meditation is, is, is having a quiet place and then being able to run thoughts, this mindful med- meditation through my head, right? And I can't do that if I'm thinking. And I also can't have an intuitive thought if I'm thinking. And so I started to work on this and I worked on that relationship with God and I truly turned my life and my actions over to the care of this power, this God. And what happened? I put faith in it. I put faith that God wanted me to do well, that God loved me, and that if I worked the rest of this thing, I would get to that place in the book where it says, we believe that God's will for us is to be happy, joyous, and free. That's the end result. And so I I got to that third step, and I did all the work on the third step, and guess what happened? I went into the fourth step on God's will and not Murph's will. I aligned myself with God, and I wasn't afraid. I had done, I don't know how many fourth steps, And I wasn't afraid this time. And instead of looking what happened to me, what my father did to me, in that fourth step, I started to look for what happened to my father. Why did he treat me the way he did? Why did he do what he did to me? He was a six-foot-five, 350-pound man. And and I, I felt the brunt of a lot of, you know, his alcoholism. And, um, you know, I found out that, During World War II, my father's job was to go into the concentration camps and get the Jewish prisoners out. And my uncle told me that when he came back, he wasn't the same man, and that what he saw damaged him. It changed him. And he watched his first wife get stung by a bee in the throat. It swelled in, and she suffocated and died right in front of him at the picnic. My brother was there also. He lost the bar. That was his dream. And he was an alcoholic. And for the first time with God in my heart, because of these first three steps and the foundation I had laid, I had empathy for a man that I hated for 40 years. And I never knew his story. 
how many of us judge and make decisions or whatever on people in our lives and we don't even know their stories? How many of us get mad at a friend for his or her behavior, not knowing the story behind the behavior? I think we all do it. But if I keep God close, there's less. I have a less chance of doing that. You know, I talked about, and I'm, I get to this because it's one of the most powerful things that ever happened in AA for me. When I when I was talking about that um, emotional trauma, a big part of it was my brother when I was 10 years old coming to the, to the door with his three-week-old baby and looking at my mother and saying, I don't want this child. Take her or I'm giving her away. He was an alcoholic and he was a drug addict. And um, we took her. She became my sister. We adopted her. I went from the middle, or from the baby of the family to the middle child, a huge dynamic. And my brother left, and he never I never saw him again, and he didn't say goodbye to me. And I hated him. But I didn't know his story. And it wouldn't be for... 17 years when I got a call from my from my little adopted sister, that little three-week-old baby. And she said she was looking for her father. She was looking for my brother. And after a few weeks, she found him. And she called me up, and he was in the 17th year of a life sentence in prison. That's where his alcoholism had taken him. And he said he wanted to write me. And I didn't care. I still hated him. I had never gotten to that place in the fourth step where I could look or try to find out what happened to him, try to find out his story. I wasn't there yet. And I wrote him a nasty letter back after he wrote me. And in that letter he wrote me, he said, he said, I was sorry I wasn't your big brother. And I was sorry that I left you with your father. And a few other things. He said, I was wrong. Is there anything I can do to make this right? And it sounded so familiar. And for 16 of the 17 years he had been in prison, he had been a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, he, I wrote him back that, that bad letter, that nasty letter, that letter of hate, that letter of blame. And he wrote me back and he said, I didn't do this for you. I did this for me. He said, I thank God that you were brought into my life because today I feel freer than I've ever felt before. My brother behind bars, locked up, gained a freedom in a jail cell. He felt free. And he would go on to tell me that the, the biggest prison he had ever been in was the prison of his own mind and that he had found God. And God unlocked the door to that prison and he came out a free man. Perceptions and bad thinking are our problem. We have to do the steps. We have to get rid of those resentments. Two minutes, Murph. Thank you. We have to get rid of those resentments. But the only way I'm going to get to a place where I can do these things, like I said, unafraid, is if I do the foundation steps that prime time talks about so much, those first three steps. And I had the spiritual awakening. I had a complete shift in the way I think and the way I, I perceive things. I do my 10th step 
throughout my day, every day. I do my 11th step every single morning. I wake up. The vultures are there. Hey, talk about how unappreciated you are at work. Let's talk about that girlfriend. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about that. And I can have this negative thing going on in my head before I get my foot off the bed. So I surrender every single morning like I did that day with my sponsor, with all the desperation, because I know what my life will look like otherwise. And I ask God into my life every single morning. And I take God with me as much as I can into every situation. I align my will with his, and then I do whatever is necessary for me to be okay for throughout that that process of whatever I'm doing, right? The behavior is not the problem. The problem is the thinking that causes the behavior. I've got to get down to that. Why am I lying to myself? Look at why I'm lying to myself. See the truth and get rid of it. So what happens? You know what happens. Anybody here knows what Murph always ends his, his share with. Throughout this process, with the help of prime time, I love Murph. And I love my life so much. I love everybody here. May sound hokey to you, but guess what? I don't care, right? Because I no longer care what you think about me. I don't live my life based on what anyone thinks about me. I don't live my life of this world. And what I mean by that is I don't live my life based on what this world tells me I need to do to be happy. I don't have to do that anymore. Right? This program is so beautiful. Ask somebody in prime time that's got some time. Ask somebody who's worked those steps, who has a God. But most importantly, who has a life outside of these rooms that's beautiful that he loves, that he enjoys going to every single day, you can get to that place, I promise you, if you do the work and start it with that prime time, with that prime time message. Um, thanks, thanks, Craig, for asking me to share. Um, love, love you guys. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.